everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Today we get a unique look into rugby through the eyes of both a strength coach and a professional player. Text talks with Kev Tunin and Owen Franks about the sports transition through COVID and the challenges that that situation presented. This amazing discussion gives us insight into the culture, the leadership, training, and growth of a team from both player and coach perspectives. And never, ever underestimate the power of shit-talking. With all the cultural shifts that are occurring right now, may the ribbing between players never cease. More on that and a great discussion ahead. Here it is, episode 568. Power Athlete Radio, welcome to another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning, and we got two kick-ass guests from down under. Owen Franks joining us once again, and Mr. Kev Tunin, also a Power Athlete Radio alum, but now we're combining forces for a kick-ass episode. I got one question for you, Owen. Is New Zealand still considered down under, or is that reserved for only Australia? Uh... I think concerning we're closer to Antarctica, I'd say just New Zealand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. both. I'm not sure. What do you got, Kev? Ooh, look, I'm not sure. Uh, I think, uh, look, they're, they're like our, our favourite cousin. Um, so so I'll, I'll let you know. I'm sure we're all, all, all down under. Um, are, we, are you close to Antarctica? Uh, I haven't looked at a global map lately, but I assume so. Yeah, it's, a bit, it's a bit colder. Yeah, close, closer than us, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. We, we got a kick-ass plan. We were, we were wrapping a little bit before the show, and we're going to explore lockdown training. And Kev, you are the strength and power coach, I love the title, for the Roosters down there. And Owens, you've been in, doing a number of um, training yourself to prepare for your upcoming game. So let's explore training during the lockdown. I mean, weight rooms were shut down, so coaches were forced to get creative. Kev, let's begin with you. Yeah. What what did your team face? Y'all had to travel a bit, but then was anything taken away from you to help you empower your athletes' performance? Yeah, so uh, for us, look, um, obviously, you know, we were locked down with everyone else, and um, uh, like our lockdown was quite, not, I guess, severe here in New South Wales, where it was you're restricted to your home. Um, and just before, uh, I, I guess, we, we sort of played four or five games, uh, and then the NRL wanted to, um, which is in um, the rugby league here, the uh, national body, they wanted to continue the uh, the whole game and the whole season, so they moved us to Queensland, which is uh, in another state. So they picked up all the teams. Um, moved us all to Queensland and then they, they put us in like little hubs, uh, three different hubs. So there was one on the Gold Coast, there was one in Brisbane and um, the Roosters and three other teams were in the Sunshine Coast uh, in Twin Waters, which is, uh, if anyone looks out on the map, it's 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 on the bo- on the beach. Um, it's probably the best spot, I'd say. So we're in the Novotel in a resort uh, in a lockdown. Um, and we had four weeks basically where we couldn't leave, um, where we had to do all our training inside. When I first got there, we had, we bought med balls, some bands, um, and that's all we had for, um, for about a week. So, and then over that little bits of gear dripped in, but we had a game, um, two days after we landed. So Mm. the preparation was, was really interesting. Um, 
you know, in season, I'm sure as you know, Tex, like it's, you know, what you're trying to do is, is give the, the minimum manageable dose to these guys. So you're not trying to improve them per se. You're trying to make sure that you can maintain what you've built in a preseason. So um, for us, it was, uh, you know, field stuff, trying to keep their, their speed and their power up, um, trying to make sure uh, that I could do something with some bands and some med balls, some short, sharp sprints. Um, we worked on a little bit of mobility. Um, and strangely enough, there was a lot of um, unknown for the guys as well. Um, so they didn't know when they were going to see their families next. They didn't know. We, we picked up, I think, on a Sunday, or we got told on a Sunday night, and we were we flew out Wednesday morning. So the preparation time for these guys and for us was quite uh, quite limited. So. Yeah, it was interesting. You had to get quite creative. So you look at exactly what do I need to go into the next game? How do I, like, what do I have to, to try and like elicit that response? And, you know, also you got to sort of juggle the psychosocial aspect of it all as well. You want these guys to, you know, there's a mental stress that sits on top of these guys when they play, but also when they move, when they're going to see their families. So that was an interesting couple of weeks for us. Um, and for us, we, we sort of relied on our preseason Um ticked off the things that we could tick off and then try not to worry about the things that we couldn't, you know, deal with. So it was more just a, um, like, hey, let's go there and play football and see what happens. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Things in your control. And mm. this is one of the things we, we talked about recently with uh, one of our online courses. Like we targeted austere training and the objective of the course was then to power the athlete, the individual, to create their own strength training workouts, whether you're traveling to a hotel gym or just you're creating your own home gym because you're sick of all the nonsense. And then that was the big thing. Resilience is what you can control, right? The old ball coach told us two things you can control, attitude and effort. Well, we wanted to add a third thing. You can control your movement. And that <clears throat> movement is your opportunity to, you know, have and lean on this psychosocial of realizing all the external stresses it doesn't affect my ability to commit to physical goals, health, wellness within my ecosystem and environment. So I love that uh, targeting, finding out what we need. All right, what do we got? And now I'm going to focus on my athletes as individuals, that, that psychosocial, man. That's, that's good stuff. Owen, what was your perspective now as, as an athlete going into this? Uh, yeah, well, well, first of all, I haven't played like a hell of a lot over the last two years. I've had like a, <laughs> uh, since I talked to you, like, um, yeah, I haven't played a lot. 18 games over the last two years. Uh, my last game was in February and I had a Liz Frank fracture on my foot that I've had some surgery for. Um, and then I was just getting near the end of that rehab and I've now ruptured my Achilles. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, had a shit of a run. Uh, my lockdown experience was in England, and you know it wasn't as bad as Kev's. When the travel factor wasn't there, um, you know, my brother rang me when he thought you know the lockdowns were going to start um, happening, and I I brought some equipment for the gym, so you know I could still get all my heavy lifts in. Um, there's a park across the road could could do my running and conditioning, so. Yeah, apart from not being around the team and getting their constant skill work in, which is, I suppose, the big thing you're lacking, you know, because every day you're not working on your your skills and refining that, you're losing a bit of timing and I suppose the feel for the game. But strength and conditioning wise, I was fine. Um, yeah, I just need to get playing. I just need to get on the field. 
yeah, with that with that rehab or surgery, was there any any doubt, any fear, or did you have to delay it at all because of everything going on? No, I was pretty about pretty uh, proactive in England. I, uh, I had the I had the injury, was operated on a, a week later. Um, I think there's always uh, yeah the thing I've learned with long term injuries is that there's lots of ups and downs. You know, there's weeks where it's feeling awesome and you're like, man, I'm going to get back in record time. And then there's other weeks when you're like, man, if they even fix this thing, it just it just feels like shit. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose the thing I've learned is it's key to keep level-headed and not to be real strict on your return date. I, th- I think it's more about, um, uh, you know, it gets thrown around a lot, but, but sticking in the moment and ticking off those key milestones, you know, being real diligent with, with the rehab and not, you know, getting your own ideas, which is, something I can sometimes struggle with. You know, you, you think this is feeling awesome. I'm going to do a bit more and then um, it tends to go backwards. But uh, yeah, I'm becoming pretty good at rehab. You know, I've had a few of these long-term injuries. I think I could almost be a, uh, a physiotherapist when I finished playing rugby. So yeah. I'd, I'd go to you, bro, for sure. Well, yeah, if, any, if anything. Yeah, meathead physiotherapy. <laughs> that's that's yeah, a great name. after a week. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if the Instagram's taken, and I'll squat on it for you. The what? I mean, what is your plan after playing? I know coaching or some skill sets involved. What about creating that that whole perspective of the athlete of the biopsychosocial? Is that even covered and touched, or is it just assumed? Oh, I'm a I'm a badass young athlete. I'm indestructible until I'm not. Yeah, well, I think I've been I've been punched right in the face with that the last couple of months because you know two year contract um, all of a sudden um, that's in jeopardy because um, I ruptured my Achilles a week before it was supposed to begin. Uh, luckily, it's all worked out, and um, you know NZIU and and the Hurricanes have uh, been awesome in honouring that. And you know I'll, I'll be back for the second year, but. Um, yeah, I think it's like anyone. You're not really, you don't really think about it until it's confronted with you. Um, and you know, I've ex- been exploring options. I think coaching and scrums specifically something that, that interests me, and, and training for that because it's such a specific position. It's a bit like, um, uh, you know, John in, in the offensive line. It, it's such a tech. Yes, you got to be strong and powerful, but you know, you could be the strongest guy on the field, but if your your technique isn't down pat, then it's it's useless. So I think I could really help people with that. Um, me and a guy, Jace Ryan, who's a scrum coach for Crusaders, we've developed a, a strength training tool for scrummaging, which is essentially like a, a horizontal squat. You know, where you've got to use your feet through the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're working on that. You know, I've talked a little bit to Kev around potentially going down the gym route. So, yeah, <laughs> this latest injury has definitely got me thinking, but um, – <laughs> we'll, we'll focus on the, the rehab for the minute and, and let things uh, happen uh, organically, hopefully. <clears throat> yeah, Kev, what can you share from the the team coach? I won't say gym owner. Owen, don't mm. freaking do it. Stay here. <laughs> Stay here as long as you can. <laughs> but Kev, I mean, you, you have that experience, but then there's something with passion, and we've been fortunate to have steak dinner and some wine down there, uh, down under. But like, what is it about the, this team as the strength and power coach, this performance-based individual versus yeah. working with those normies with fitness goals that really draws and, and, and gets your chili hot? 
Well, I used to, I mean, for me, yeah, like it was, it was a means to an end, I guess. Like I, I started out working uh, in the gym and what I used to get was like guys like Owen and, and, and other athletes just dripping over the year, like over the year. And that used to just it's almost just top me up. So like, I, you know, I could go to work every day and be like, all right, like I've got a, I've got this block of, you know, uh, general population. And then in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have a week with Owen or, or two weeks with these as other guys, you know. Um, and I used to get drip fed to some of the players from the Roosters, um, from the coach uh, over the years too. He'd say, like, can you look after this guy for me for three or four weeks? Mm-hmm. So dealing with athletes was just, and, and specifically, like I was spoiled when I first worked with Owen because Owen's like no other athlete you'll ever work with because, you know, he's driven, he owns everything that he does. Um, and he doesn't just let it happen. He'll ask why, he'll ask how, why, you know, why is this good for me? Why is this going to make me better? And then you only have to tell him once, which is that's a, you know, that's a dream as a coach, you know, to explain something once and then someone to have the, have the knowledge and the, I guess, the forward thinking to just use it and go with it. Um, yeah. And, and I guess when um, I'd sort of been in the gym for a little while and then, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was about to take a, a long hiatus because I was, getting ready to shoot myself in the head. Um, it was just, you know, you're right because you, know, you do, you get to the point you're like, fuck, you know, like, why are you fat? Well, because you're eating too much, you know, like it's, it's, it's you've got hand to mouth problems and you're putting your hand in your mouth too fucking often. Um, it's got nothing to do with the training. It's got all to do with you. So um, getting, there was no perspective or purpose there. And then Trent, who's the, uh, the head coach of the Roosters just rang up one day and just said, look, we'd love to you come on as a head of strength and power. And I just, I think I didn't even ask about like how much or what it was going to do. I just said, yep, it's done. Like I'll start whatever. Um, because in, in a team, it, it's like every single day you've, you've got, you know, like 30 something players to take care of specific needs. And like, if you don't take care of them properly, if you don't give them the right dosage of what they need, then you'll see that outcome play on Saturday or Sunday or, or Friday night. You'll see the direct result of your training, good or bad. Um, so you're held responsible every single day, every single week. And like the outcome is there for you to see. Now, sometimes it's out of your hands. Um, sometimes you get beaten by a better team. But then you had to pick up the pieces as well. Like you make, you know, you've got to look at the game and think like, well, were they fast enough? Were they strong enough? Was there something that was missing? Was there, what was their footwork like? You know, could they display their athleticism as much as they needed to? Or have not, have, you know, haven't I touched on the tools uh, enough that, I'm, you know, that these guys can do that? Um, and then you end up, you know, you know, look at rehab as well. You end up sort of cultivating these, these awesome relationships with these players and you see them go through like, these ebbs and flows of their careers. And, you know, we've got a bunch of guys on rehab at the moment and, you know, they go through the down patch where they're like, fuck my career's over. And then they see them on the upside when they're like, I'm coming back. I feel better. Um, it's the most rewarding thing I've done. Like, and I'll like, I'll, yeah, I love sport. I think it's, um, you know, keeps me humble. It keeps me um, focused. Um, it keeps me responsible for everything I do. And it, like, it's, it's one of those things that I don't take for granted and I never will. Like I walk in there cause I know I'm responsible for someone's livelihood. Um, and I want the team to win. Like I hate losing as much as anyone else. Um, so it's, to me, it's like weekly, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a mental ride as well. You know, like oh. sports, one of those things where it's, you know, and no one could, could attest to that. Like, it's nice being on a team that wins. It's like, that's really helpful. And when you're on a team that's like losing, 
you know, everyone's just slowly pointing the fingers at someone else and saying, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And it's, that, it's crazy. That strength coach is, is a unique perspective and opportunity because you get to spend so much more time with the sport coaches and they got yeah. their individual position coach for their sport. At least this is how most yeah. American sports work, but you got your individual position coach, then you got your coordinator and then you got your head coach. And so they get only so much time with each one of those. And then in crunch time and stress time, they just become a name and a direction and an arrow. But then as a strength coach, I'm spending time. I'm seeing them fail in the squat rack. I'm giving them a direction, a cue or perspective to say, hey, man, what were you thinking in there? What happened? Why don't you try this? And you get to the opportunity to really develop and cultivate this relationship. I appreciate any sport coach that really involves themselves on the strength side of things, even just showing up for the warm-ups and talking to the players during the warm-ups or coming and observing the, the the sprint sessions and saying, hey, why are we doing this? What's up with this? How's he yeah. feeling today? Or how are they feeling today? And then, you know, developing a relationship with the sport coach to keep their finger on the pulse. So it's 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 cool to see that this is uh, the, the experience you found yourself in, Kev, and that the, the sport coaches value you as a person and entrusting you with their their team's performance. Yeah, and you've got to like you've got to remember that it's football. As much as you know, as a coach, you think you know, as a strength coach, you think like strength, power, speed. Like I want that. Like that's all I want. I want them fucking five days a week. You know, I don't want anyone else touching them. You know, yeah, I don't want long distance running because you're gonna. You know, I don't want the conditioning coach to ruin all my good stuff. Um, but it's football. So the, the biggest thing in the world is, is like, hey, skill sets. They've got to be able to catch, pass, run, tries. Like it doesn't really matter in the end. So I've got to make sure that the, the footy coaches have got everything they need. Um, and I'm asking like, hey, what do you see? What do you see out there that they're not like, what do you think they need more of? Like it might be defensive. It might be, you know, oh, they need to tackle better or their, their defensive footwork isn't there. So, all right, well, then what can I do in the gym? to help with that. Like I'll, I'll try to help solve some problems, you know, even just by a little bit, but I like in the end we have a saying and it's don't fuck with the football. You know, that's, that's our saying. So it means like, it's, it's cool to do everything you can to support it, but don't get in the way of what our footy is about. And that's, that's what we're about. Did I pick up on you're the strength and power and then there's a conditioning coach. Yeah, yeah. So we do conditioning. Yeah. So it's it's very, very specific in terms of like, well, we've got, you know, a bunch of different positions and we then individualize those those energy systems for those positions. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, and we, we got a, we've got two sports scientists um, that then like look at all the data every single day, live feeds when we're out there as well. So we'll look at the GPS data, high speed, very high speed. Axels, decels, um, you know, total distance. That's all live over a headset when we're training. Um, and so we'll, you know, we'll look at a certain player and be like, hey, he's just had like, you know, 357, you know, meters this session of very high speed. Let's pull him back. Let's take him out. Let's put this guy in. Let's move that around. Um, and because we know at the end of preseason, the dosage we want to hit for these guys individually. So get them like, you know, and an older guy needs not as much and we don't want to fry this guy, you know, uh, in preseason or during the week. So we've got all these little markers we want to hit and make sure we don't want to exceed as well because you got to work backwards from 
where the game is played. You know, mm-hmm. so we analyze the game. We analyze the game at its at, at the top end, at the at the fastest, strongest, biggest game, and then we work ourselves back from that um, in terms of meters per minute, um, heart rate load. Um, you know, especially yeah, axles, D cells is a big one for our game. So, for sure, yeah. Owen, how have you seen technology? enter into the the performance and the training side of things over your career? Yeah, I was just thinking that. Um, yeah, I suppose from the start of my career, yeah, the, the rugby week was was totally different. It would be, you know, play Saturday, Sunday off. Um, Monday come in, you do the review, but typically finish by lunchtime. Um, you know, you might have a game of touch to get the ball in the hands, some sort of active recovery, uh, you know, a bit of a laugh around, not really too serious. You know, Tuesday and Thursday, heavy days. Friday, you know, you walk through and play again. But it's, yeah, there's so much technology and sports science that's gone into it. Really, like Sunday, Monday and Tuesday are our biggest days now in terms of, um, you know, recovery Sunday and Monday, but also the amount of tape you've got to watch, you know, setting up your meetings for your week, preview, reviews, um, typically a heavy lifting day, Um and, and then it flows on from there. Thursdays actually leading into the game. I'm not sure how to do it with the Roosters, but that's sort of they usually run that. Um, you know, at one and a half times game speed. You know, it's, it's can sometimes it's shorter, but can be harder than a game. And then you have a really big recovery Friday, and then and then into it on Saturday again. But in terms of professionalism, it's just totally changed um, the way guys are preparing. You know, when I started, beers and the shit after the game were normal. You know, guys going out and drinking, and now it's, uh, you know, Powerades, and then you know you've got a full smorgasbord of um, of food in the in the shed. You know, recovery food. Um, yeah. yeah, just the way individual players uh, a lot more accountability in, in terms of running their week. You know, turning up, doing the prehab, rehab. Um, it's it's actually crazy how much it's changed in, in 10 years. I know rugby's still a pretty young sport in terms of professionalism, really. Uh, I think it only went professional in 1995 or six. League's a bit older, so I think it's evolving like, really rapidly. It's like a job. What the hell? Yeah. Mate, yeah, it, it's nuts. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's full on, isn't it? Like I was just, I was just thinking – that we've got a preseason. We we train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off, Thursday off, Thursday off, day off, day off. So we get Thursday and Sunday off for the next three. What is it? Three, four months. That's how it works for us. Um, and the boys are in from say seven, seven thirty in the morning till four thirty-five in the afternoon. Um, and they are like their time is accounted for. Like they've got time off in between sessions, but um, it's full. It's it's full on. And I, like. I don't know, but when Owen, when you when you played for the All Blacks, was that was it, it's interesting here you talk about those times when like it, I guess the professionalism from Super Rugby, and then you play international stuff with like the All Blacks and the Wallabies, like that must have been a step up again for the professionalism, I guess too. Eh? It was awesome. I think that's the best thing for me about that environment is that it had so much more resource behind it. Um, you know, everything yeah. in New Zealand rugby really is is geared towards the All Blacks and the All Blacks performing, you know, even at the um, at the integrity of the Super Rugby competition, really, in New Zealand. You know, everything's about the All Blacks. So when you get into that environment, you know, all the support stuff there, strength and conditioning, um, IT, they're all there to make you perform, uh, you know, the best food. 
Um, so there's a, it's awesome. There's a real responsibility behind behind it as well. You know, there's added added pressure to it. But I don't know. For me, there's nothing better than being in an environment where everything's geared for you to perform, and there's there's expectation with that as well. And I suppose the players that stick in that environment really rise to the expectation and the and the pressure, mm. and, and they relish it. And, and guys who don't typically don't last very long. Now, observation from uh, the straight coach side of things, when I was working with a Division One football team, the observation there was athletes that truly believed every sprint, every rep in the weight room was going to lead to a national championship. Then you had guys that had those those physical talents, the same as the above guys, but they didn't have that mental drive. And they extreme, amazing athletes, four or five star recruits. And then you had these walk on guys that could maybe play somewhere else, but not as high level. And they just rode the bench. They did everything that you asked them to do. If you ask, I need you to go run through the wall, they ask how many times. So they would never see the field. And it was like this mixture of these three different tiers. And you learn to love these walk-on guys because they're the most coachable. And then you learn to love the, the individuals that would take your advice, even, you know, even though they were the best and the fastest. And it's this middle, middle group that, unfortunately, like weighs on you as a coach. And then they're next in line. If that top-performing tier individual gets hurt, then it's the, just the next guy athletically that steps up. And then that's when you start to lose games and your culture is affected negatively because, you know, then they, as Kevin, you point out, they start to point the finger. You know, it wasn't me. It was coach calling the plays. And so it's yeah. if we could only have these walk-ons and then, you know, recruit these awesome top-tier individuals, we'd have a hell of a culture on our hands. But, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing once you start to, you know, play the games and go through the hard times as a team, that true character comes out. That's what I like about um, well, rugby and league. You know, there's always going to be room for those walk-ons because it's uh, maybe the conditioning aspect of it, but there's always room for, I suppose we call them in New Zealand, battlers, guys who don't have a lot of talent. But they, you know, <laughs> they'll run, like you said, they'll run through walls. They'll do everything that's asked of them. And, that, and you need a bulk of those guys, I think, to make up a – a really strong team and and touching on the other point in terms of good cultures I've been involved in the, the really top ones like uh, the years the winning years we had at the Crusaders and the, and the All Blacks the the group of those players who are sort of undermining the culture is like minuscule you know it might be one or two and, and they get found out really quickly whereas losing teams I've been a part of you know there's it's a there might be a handful, there might be 10 of those guys and, and their behaviours are underground. So not everyone knows about it, but it, it just, it's like a cancer in the team. You know, the locker room bitching and, and things like that, it just uh, yeah, it really undermines what the what, it, what everyone else is trying to achieve. Kev, Very what, true, what, isn't it? Yeah, Kev, what are you doing for your for your rooster guys? Because you, you have the opportunity to apply stress and find out character real quick. Not only find out, but then provide them coaching, direction, opportunity to correct this behavior before they go in front of a sport coach. So what are, what are you doing at your level to help your guys and really create this culture? Power Athlete Nation, want to take one minute to remind you why Power Athlete is performance for the people. 
We love the garage shimmer. We love the athlete that is taking their performance into their own hands. We offer eight different strength and conditioning programs reverse engineered from common goals like getting jacked, becoming more athletic, or introducing the barbell for the first time. To learn which program is best for you, head to powerathletehq.com training. If you're an enthusiast, a parent, or a professional coach, we also offer education. At academy.powerathletehq.com, learn the method to the madness, the power athlete methodology, and a hell of a lot more. Next up, shop.powerathletehq.com. Hoodies, tees, sweats, shorts, you name it, we got it, including posters. You put this up in your garage gym, you're staring at it underneath the bar, I guarantee that you're going to add 10% to your next rep max. And finally, you can check us out on YouTube. We're dropping movement demonstrations, going through our setup and execution of the finer movements found on all of our Power Athlete training programs and cutting clips of this podcast that you're listening to right now. So if you want to share in this experience with your lifting buddies, go ahead, seek out Power Athlete on YouTube. And now, back to the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. I've got to be like first off, Roosters recruit um, what we term good men. So that's that's one thing that we really want in the team. Like we'll we'll push uh, for a good guy over the best athlete because the best guy will influence the team the, the most. Um, and the, and the boys are really good too because they don't want to play for a guy they don't like. So um, we have a leadership group with uh, so like we have six to seven guys that are in our leadership group. We've got, um, and we have a captain, but the leadership group are the ones that are really in charge of the culture. Um, and like, we've gotten rid of guys uh, because they're, they're not the type of men that are good for our team, not because they're bad players, but because they're bad for the team. And the boys will do that. The boys will tell the coach, Hey, like we just, you know, inadvertently, they won't play for him as hard as I'll play for someone else. Um, but it's also about like making sure that as a, you know, we talk about culture all the time. I think it's one of those sort of, it's a buzzword, but for us, it's, it's, we don't sort of speak about it too much. We, we term it like, Hey, it should be in the walls. When you fit, when you walk into the place, you should feel the culture. You know, we shouldn't have it stripped all over the wall so you can read it. Like it's not a, just something you read every day. It's something you feel, something you do. Um, you know, like when you walk into the Roosters, regardless of who you are, uh, every single one of the players, whether they're, they're on the top tier money or mid-level money, they'll walk up and shake your hand, ask what your name is and ask how you're doing today. And that's that's every single one of them. They'll shake your hand. Um, they're always very polite. They're um, they're just good men. And that's something that like we pride ourselves on, you know. We'd, um, we want sportsmanship uh, and because we want to be proud of the jersey. We want to be proud of the way we play. Uh, you want to play hard. You want to play like violent, aggressive football. But you, it's that application of, of those attributes that you've got to be careful with. Um, and for me, it's just about like, you know, trying to guide the ship as best I can, you know, in my in my little part about making sure that these guys are held accountable. But most of the time, like I just, I don't say much uh, in regards to that. I just like, like, hey, these are the standards. If you don't meet the standard, then I can just point that out and be like, come on, like, come on that's that's not, that's not us. Yeah. That's not what we do. Or that's, you know, and specifically when you're looking at movement, like I'm really, really, you know, I'm focused on the movement in the gym because those small things, like I won't let them get away with a shitty foot position. Like I'll look at it and I'll be like, fix your fucking feet. Like, and they know now, you know, they know straight away. They don't mess around. Um, 
and and you know those things jumping on those small things fast and then empowering them to make sure that they can go chase other guys for the same stuff like they'll, they'll you know they'll play and you know like we'll just they'll tell on each other and be like oh kev you know look at you know look at billy's feet they're uh they're, they're off again or they're like hey that's not a fucking squat what is that you know so um it's good like you just let them run with it um yeah because the boys will keep the culture in check more than i ever will you know they're, they're so proud of the whole thing and we also uh you know with owen when he played for the crusaders uh like i know our head coach and the crusaders head coach used to just to chat all the time like we used to go over and have a look at other high performing cultures and high performing teams to find out what are they doing what's the small little things we could pick up and we've got drills you know a crusaders drill we've got an all blacks drill we've got all these type of things that we picked up from from the time that we spent uh with rugby union yeah um so it's yeah it's interesting you, like culture is one of those things i guess you look at the culture that you guys have put together with power athlete i mean um i was drawn to that because of those standards that you set you know and that's like all the way over and you know like where were you guys first up was it um where was the first place you set up what, what where was that oh coast um, california yeah 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 so, so it started there for me um and i think it was uh, john's uh, football wads Mm-hmm. Um, and then to where it is now. And, you know, as a, as a strength coach, if someone asked me what, what the best course I can, like I could do, or I should do, I'm like, Hey, there's qualifications you have to do here in Australia. But the best thing I would do is, is go to power athlete and do their methodologies course, because it covers on, on, on so much in terms of coaching in terms of, you know, like that type of pedantic, good movement that you need. And that, that's, that's culture in the strength and power or strength and conditioning realm that we, that we need, need more of. Um, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's everywhere. It gets, it's how you, um, how you adopt yourself and how you carry yourself. Well, how you do anything is how you do everything. And Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, culture is, is awesome. And with power athlete, we aim to empower through it and attract like-minded individuals through the one-liners, eat the weak, be the hammer. And the beauty of Mr. Harry Heptonstall, shout out to him, is the the depth (laughs) and character yeah. that he provides. It's not just a, a badass uh, one-liner. Essentially, he's created this, this depth and story that then allows our athletes who are training solo in the garage or out in the field or coaching and helping empower and create a culture within their own weight room for their athletes. For example, Eat the Week, a one-liner Wellborn came up with. Harry's expanded it. I'm going to read through it here. <clears throat> Eat the weak, not a call for cannibalism, but a mindset to dominate. Total domination, not only of your competitors, but of yourself. No one said it'd be easy. Conflict crafts character. Devour weakness, doubt, fear, and feeble excuses. Consume them before they consume you. Eat the weak. And so that's that's a message and a mindset that we hand off. Through all of our training programs, like the expectation, as I mentioned earlier, you can control attitude, effort, and your movement. You know if you're short in a squat. You know if you're skipping reps, cutting rounds, half-assing through your warm-up, which then translates into the, uh, it's, it's taken one, two strength sets to truly get warmed up, and you cost yourself that opportunity, that potential. So... Yeah. That's 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 one thing there, man. And we, we feel all, as well that culture is everywhere. 
whether you're an athlete or a coach or a parent through Power Athlete, we're hoping and aiming to empower that performance, man. And, and if performance is simple as just waking up every day and, and feeling damn good about your body through movement and going and crushing your work or family or life. Yeah. It's interesting. I think cultures is also being huge. I've got a six year old boy um, and he does jujitsu and, uh, but I take him into the club uh, whenever I get a chance. And now at six, you don't have to tell him, but he walk up to everyone and he'll, you know, shake their hands. That's what he does. Because so, he just, he sees that. He thinks that's normal. Um, he's, he's got, um, he sees these guys train all the time. So all he wants to do now is, you know, he's, he's got himself like doing Nordics. He's got himself doing push-ups. He'll, he'll be all doing all those sort of things. And I, I love that because I want him to grow up around that physical culture, but mm-hmm. also that real good man culture. You know, that's, that's, that's good. And the eat the week is, is, is great, but I think Owen had a better one when he used to play. I think it was, mm. he used to draw crosshairs on people's faces and put kill and destroy. Is that? <laughs> That's what worked for me, yeah. I think, uh, I think just being a 19, 20-year-old and, uh, yeah, it's almost, you get yourself, you know, you're so, um, yeah, it's quite nerve-wracking at that age when you're coming up against men. It's like, man, what am I going to do to, to freaking prove my point? And, uh, you know, even now I think I could uh, – learn something from that because as you get older I think you get a bit more nonchalant but man you can't beat that just uh, in a drive to just want to you know basically you want to hurt people you know in our job Um, but if you can do it with some skill um, you know and while keeping your head you know it's a it's a big advantage oh yeah do (laughs) Owen talk talk to us about your leadership techniques do you go out of your way to, to help mentor the young guys or you look for them to do something wrong then say something like what's your approach get out in front of it or aim to, to correct and guide from the back end yeah i think um you know the all when when the all blacks is sort of forced upon us that you know you're each other's best coaches so it's sort of your duty really to you know if you notice something to give feedback or i'm, I'm scrummaging against the guy and he's doing something you know you want to beat each other and you're competing but if he's you know, not doing something right, you've really got to tell them. At the same time, I've never tried to impress anything on anyone. You know, if there's a guy underneath me, I'm not going to go over and I suppose I'm not going to go out of my way to tell him what I think he should do to get better, unless unless it's glaringly obvious and it's hurting him. Um, I, I prefer to sit back and, uh, you know, if, if they come up to me with a question or um, – anything like that, I'll, I'll give all my time in the world. And same thing goes the other way. You know, if a young guy comes up and gives me feedback, I'm like, I'll take it because it's only it's only going to make me better. It's a part of, I suppose, um, being humble and and coach and coachable. Um, but, yeah, I suppose my, my leadership style, like I said, I'll, um, I, I like to listen and gather my thoughts properly and then speak. So, you know, what I get across um, – is clear, is clear and obvious, not just, you know, I think we've all been in a team where you're the young guy and you've just got the same guys speaking over and over and a lot of the times they're just repeating what the coach is saying, you know, but then you have the guy who, um, you know, you can really tell he's listening about things and, and when he speaks he's got a good point to say and, and it resonates with everyone. Um, whether I've done that or not, I'm not sure, but that's, uh, I suppose, that's, that's what I like to do. Kev, you got any just, old wise guys on your team? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, we've got 
we've got a mixture of all that. We've got the you know the the young up and comers that that they just say words. You know, they just say lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. It'll just be, you know, they'll agree with someone and then just say the same thing again. And then you've got the guys that, um, uh, like you know, like around like Owens Vintage in terms of like they've played so many games and been so many high level situations that they just say two or three things and then that's it, you know. And I think they're they're the guys that everyone always listens to, a because they've they've been there and done that, um, and also. You know, you get you get it gets tiresome hearing lots and lots of words. I think if you have to, you know, like again, I think we're all we're visual humans. You know, like we're you know eighty something percent of our of how we learn is visual. So it's great to talk. It's it's you know, but like let's let's go do it. Let's go see it. Let's like I want to like actions over words would be great. You know, um, so yeah, like our older guys generally just say very little and especially we've got a lot of like a lot of islanders in our team you know and those boys are just really they don't want to say too much uh and then they'll go out there and just crush someone on the field and then they'll just you know almost apologize for it um we've got a uh, a winger on our team daniel tupo and Toopsie's, i think he's six five um he's just one of the biggest strongest fastest wingers we've got um but he's such a nice guy that when he scores a try uh, he's almost embarrassed because he knows the cameras are going to be on him. So he just, and for, for years he got, uh, he, everyone thought he was arrogant because he was just sort of walked off, but he just, he didn't want the cameras anywhere near him. So he just sort of didn't celebrate because he thought it was rude to celebrate something that he did that caused the other team to, you know, lose a couple of points. So uh, he, he just like, he wants, he wants to get out of there nice and quick. Um, you know, he hates public speaking. Uh, he just wants to play the game and he's diligent and, and as soon as you see him in the huddle, uh, again, all the boys are relaxed because they're like, hey, we don't have to worry about that side because, you know, Toopsies has got it. Or the same thing with, like, one of our other players, Jared uh, Warrior Hargraves, who's just, you know, just an absolute animal. But you know when he's – he doesn't say that much. He's, he's sick of talking about a lot of stuff, so he'll just – he'll do it. And But the boys know that his presence there means that, like, hey, they're going to be okay. And they're, they're the type of people I think you want on your team. And I think – I've heard many players talk about it with Owen. Like they just look around. Um, actually, Offer uh, said it to me once. And Offer plays for the All Blacks now. And he said it was just, it was relaxing and you felt nice and calm when you looked around the huddle and you saw Owen standing there. You know, you knew that you were going to be okay. So they, that's like, I think that's Owen's leadership style is that he'll just do, um, you know, lots of players feedback over the years where they're like, they hated scrummaging against Owen because they're like, you know, he's the most technical and strongest guy they've ever put up against, you know, um, and that's that, that that's that's leadership in itself. Like, he's technical to it to a fault. Like he's just you know he's great at it, and that makes the other team pay. Um, well, forgive me, Owen. I didn't mean old. I meant uh, vintage, as Kev would say. But that that presence is that is a sense of leadership. And man, it's it's almost like I, I don't know if you can teach it. Just knowing. That you're in the right. All right, everybody, calm down. This is the the direction we're heading, or you don't even have to say that. You just take that step forward, as you you mentioned, man. So, Owen, when did you start to feel that you've established a presence, or have you always it's just the way it was? Uh, look, I was I was lucky um, coming through. Like, I had really good, I suppose, leadership in the teams I was involved with. Um, you know, some of the greatest. Uh, you know, in the All Blacks, a guy, Richie McCaw, 
you know, rugby rugby nerds will know about. Um, Brad Thorne, who's a dual international and league and, and union. Um, and I really appreciate the way those guys treated me because it wasn't on a, you know, their time wasn't on a silver platter. You had to earn it. You, you earn your respect. And, you know, there was no... Um, it was no coincidence that when I first, you know, started having a good relationship with Brad Thorne, he was the guy who pushes behind me. It was when I made my first start for the Crusaders and I scrummed really well. And then he, you know, would open up to me and, um, you know, become really good friends. And and I appreciate that because I earned my stripes and I knew once, um, you know, I could talk to these guys freely that, you know, I, I had their respect. So, I don't know, I suppose just learning from them, you know, um, action first, words, words second. Um, another thing that comes to mind that Richie McCaw actually said, because, uh, you know, he was a guy of few words, but he was definitely the best captain um, that I've had. And he, he said on speaking, you know, are you saying something for your own benefit that you want to get off your chest when you're addressing the team? Or is it something that the team really needs to hear? And that's always stuck with me because a lot of times in huddles or before a game, you know, guys are nervous and they're just spouting off stuff to sort of get themselves pumped up or, you know, it's just part of the, uh, the routine. But or are you giving messages that are, you know, clear and, and concise and that, that everyone can use? If not, you know, it's, <laughs> it's fine to stand there in silence and just go play, you know. like <laughs> I've always embraced silence, but I, it's something that, that's always stuck with me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We don't want to, to, to waste breath and then distract the team from the message. And, I mean, do speaking up in front of the team at a, a critical stress point like pregame that does take reps. It does take opportunity. And I, I coach high school, and I don't, want, I don't want kids to fuck that up when they finally are in a, a captain or a leadership position. Uh, so the, to give them reps during our warm-up, I don't do any counting as a coach. I just say, all right, we're doing 10 reps, and I hand off the counting to, and I call out a player's name. It's not just the leaders, the seniors, the captains calling out freshmen who are you know first-year guys or second-year or third-year guys because the expectation is this the senior, the older captain's lead. But I'm giving the, the, the younger guys reps so when it's their time, they've already found their voice. They've you know had that puberty squeak. They've made the mistake. They've embarrassed themselves during the warm-up when it doesn't matter, and they realize, like, I can talk to my boys as, as, a, as a group. So it's... Yeah. I understand where you're coming from, Owen, but I, as a coach, also want to find those reps for the guys so they know how to seize that moment and are very efficient when they get the word. Yeah, exactly. I think it, it's it's different too for like, you know, you've got a text, you've got this unique opportunity to show these guys, um, you know, how to be a like a, a good person, a good, a good player. And, you know, it's uh, they need to say lots and lots of words and get their get their own way through, um, you know. And hopefully, by the time they they're playing professional football or professional sport, they've sort of found their groove and they know what works for them. Um, and I think you know uh, the ultimate being like you know the, the positions that that Owen played with or the teams that Owen played with being you know uh, everyone is so professional that they know that by taking care of themselves they take care of the team. Um, and 
you know, it's there'd be nothing worse, I guess, than standing in a huddle trying to go over a game plan that like, fuck, we, we should know what we're doing. Like the formality now is the game because we've done everything we can to step out there and, you know, and do what we need to do. I think the nerves come from like, have I prepared? You know, have I done everything I should have done this week? Like, is this guy that I'm playing up against, is my position number, is he better than me? Is that why, it's why I'm nervous? Or like, you know, uh, you, know you just step out there and just have this like, have this zero effect in your brain where you're like, I'll just, I'm right here, right now. Anything that has happened, can't do anything about. Anything that hasn't happened, I can't do anything about. It's just time to get zero. Um, but I think in the weights room, it's one of those awesome things where you can give someone a voice. You can give someone like, you know, they can become a little bit more uh, of a leader when you give them those roles. I think that's really important. Um, what, what are the ages you've got, Tex? Uh, let's see, probably 15 to, to 18 14, Oof, 15, that'd, 18. That'd oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm in a great yeah. time. My first kid talked back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm not going to. Yeah, I was at middle school. Let's see. That's uh, 12, 13, 14, uh, previous couple of years. And now they, they moved me up to the high school. So teaching them a thing or two, like, that's not what you want to do. I got the whistle, pal. So we, we had a little uh, little punishment to pay for that one, and um, yeah. but uh, fortunately he he apologized to me and then the team at the end. So it was a, a quick awesome. lesson. I don't want to 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 teach that one again. Um, but yeah, dude, having fun and like it's it's an experience. It's my objective. I live in a very small town, so now I I'm aiming to make my community better through coaching. Like we're Kev, yeah. th- this is, this is your profession, like power athlete education, empowering performance for coaches and athletes. That's my profession. This is just my, um, my community work. So now I, when I run into the families and grocery stores, I talk a little shit to the parents and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, make, make a friend in the, in the network. So it's, it's fun. Like I, I don't take it as, performance driven as I would mm. if I was in your position, Kev. So having a little bit more light and fun, but still the, the similar objective to really create yeah. and hand off good men to the community. I think it's, it's awesome, uh, isn't it? Because um yeah, you know, I've got a free bit of free time on my hands, but it's there's nothing better than getting messages, you know, whether on Instagram or whatever from a you know a kid who wants to become a professional. You know, and you want to give your time up for those uh you know, those young teenagers or, or guys who take it seriously. And it's uh, it's just awesome to see that there's kids out there like, like that. And, and when you pass on the info that they, they really take it and and then, you, you know, you see them do well, it's, um, yeah, it's really rewarding. It's interesting too, because I think you've got like uh, in our squad at the moment, we've got a 17 and an 18 year old um, messing around with like guys who are, you know, mid to late 20s, even early 30s. Um, and well, we've got two guys that are in the middle of their HSC. So they're doing their high school, um, you know, uh, exit exams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got guys that are, you know, just having their second kid, um, who are like coming, you know, it, it's, it's such a unique dynamic. Um, 
And so the boys really, you know, check the young kids uh, as, you know, but they're also very respective of the fact that like, hey, I was there as well. So I, I know what it was like, you know, you've got a young guy that's, he, he's going to be an athletic superstar for sure. Um, but he came in the other day with like his hair a little bit coloured and just, you know, just got teased the, you know, relentlessly. It was, it was awesome. But at the same time, they're like, yeah, he's hey, he's young. He just wants to look cool and he's got to experiment with that sort of shit. Um, it's it's yeah. important that that locker room teasing goes on because if, yeah. if they didn't say anything and that dude stepped on the field like that, the other team would have a field day and he might oh. actually internalize it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's that's the best thing I think about. Like I went to a private boys school um where like it was just relentless like if you had a hair out of place that was what you're getting rigged for for the entire day like and is that why you shave your head kev unfortunately (laughs) i that 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 choice was made for me (laughs) i wish i I wish i could have a stupid haircut i'll probably relish it Uh, yeah might even throw a mohawk or something but yeah oh and just grow the rat tail only (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's all we can get, isn't it? Like, I don't even know back there anymore is going to do that well. Um, yeah, no problem with the it, beard or anywhere else. It's just on the top of the head. Well, that's. I think that's where most testosterone sits is around the chin area. It's, uh, yeah. Well, you know, if, if John was <laughs> here, he'd say, strong beard, weak chin. <laughs> well, is that because he doesn't have the beard? <laughs> that's because yeah, John yeah. can't grow a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did mine mine grew out of laziness. Um yeah. I just thought like shaving every day. Like how long you had the uh the mustache for? Well, what are we on? November twenty second. So twenty two right. days. Real yeah. yeah, just grows in all redneck like this. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Uh, to go back, reference the the gentleman that or the kid that spoke ba- back to me. He was yeah. speaking negatively about my mustache, so <laughs> I was providing him coaching feedback on some. Uh, and he was fatigued from the conditioning. He was doing something wrong. I provided him correction, and his feedback, rather than making the correction, was to make a comment towards my mustache. No, I, you guys are free and welcome to. Yeah, not, not sounds like a good kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Field day. It's, uh. it's funny, isn't it? It's even better when they, like, we say so we got, like, Movember here as well, and some of the boys are trying to grow a moustache, you know, like these whispery little things that, you know, if I turn the fan on in the gym, it just, like, just off they would go. Um they always come in and you can, you know, they're like, you know, trying to go up to the light and just trying to get some, you know, a little bit more depth to it. Um, yeah. Grow a mustache so, already. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think that like the teasing and, and like, you know, just uh, taking the piss out of each other, it's so important because you're right. Like if, if you don't learn to deal with that sort of stuff uh, as a kid, well, whether you like it or not, the world's probably going to be a little bit more harsher. Um, and like it's fun to be able to take the piss out of someone, have it taken to you, not take it to heart, and know that it's all good fun, and then just like get on with it. Like that's that that's something that we do miss. Like you know, um, I I do it to my son all the time, but just you know, we go back and forth. Um, <laughs> what have I been calling him lately? Like a, a little girl's blouse um, when he does something <laughs> and makes a little noise. Um, 
uh, and he's like, I'm not, I'm not a girl's blouse. I'm like, yeah, well, you, you're acting like one. So um, it, it's, it, we just go back and forth, back and forth. And it just gives him a little bit. I mean, I don't think his mum loves it, um, but um, you know, it's, like Owen and I talk about it all the time about like you know making our kids into machines just because you know it's like the ultimate science experiment, isn't it? It's so much fun. Um, I think the worst thing is when you tease your kid and call them names that you know not other people are used to, and then he goes off to his <laughs> in-laws and he starts throwing around like, <laughs> you know, Dad called me this, or he you know thinks uh, it's yeah. funny to call me an ear kid in front of Owen. We're going to need specific examples, please. Egghead. <laughs> Air kid, yeah, he called me air kid the other day because, yeah, like Kev said, you know, we kind of banter at home, like taking the piss out of each other. And then, you know, next next minute you're out in public and he's calling you something in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> it's quite embarrassing, but uh, no, it is good. Yeah, it is fun with the kids. I think, I think I've always um, paid attention to what you said, Kev, how your dad raised you. So, you know, every morning I've sort of got it in my head that I've got to do something with the boys, whether it's go out to the garage and let them swing off the barbell on the squat rack or do some squats or, you know, yeah. even get outside and go for a bike ride just to, you know, get out of the, you know, the norm these days, which is seem to watch telly and, you know, sit on, sit on your ass. So. Yeah. Well, the social media stuff or just having like an iPad or a, like one of those, you know, things to watch all the time, it's, it's so detrimental to them. Um, like we, we, we ban phones, the roosters, like as soon as it's, it's playtime, um, training time, phones disappear. Um, they don't come back out. And the boys actually now dislike having to have their phones. It's, it's awesome. Um, and, the, and it's the same with my, like my son. Like I just make sure that we're outside playing. Like if he wants to do something, I'm like, sure, what do you want to do? Like you want to, you can draw, you can color, we can go outside. I'll never say no to, to any of that sort of stuff. If he wants to play, like, um, you know, it, the, I think those things are really, really important. And then he'll see me train as well. I make sure I train whenever he's home with me. And then, yeah, he'll start trying to take me through a workout. Um, you know, that, that's that, that physical culture and that the idea that, um, you know, this is something that we just do, I think is so important. Um, I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I do worry about the future in terms of kids. And I think, you know, Tex, I'm sure maybe it's different for, for Texas, but is it, um, what's the physical culture like in the US now? Is it similar? Uh, well, we live in a bubble. Just as power athlete, mm -hmm. I feel and I've observed when going and visiting uh, family elsewhere throughout the country or, you know, traveling and taking this show on the road. Like we, we do live in a bubble of power athlete where physical culture is the norm. We're having a yeah. barbell and squat rack in the garage is the norm. And I hope that that becomes contagious. And, you know, then it's, it's weird that kids don't know how to squat when they enter their, their middle school. Uh, it's weird that they, <laughs> you know, their friends put cars in their garage. What you mean yeah. the, the gym, you put yeah. a car in your gym. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, and then make fun of them. Uh, it's, so live in a bubble, man, and then similar as y'all are, are leading the charge with with your own family. That's what I'm aiming to do within the the community that I I, I hear I'm here in, in and represent. So, man, I, I can't speak for the rest of the country. And then if I watch the news to get a feel of what's on the rest of the country, I'm not going to get an accurate portrayal either. So, yeah, just 
doing doing what I do, and they do what they do. It's uh, so, yeah, I think you're right, Kip. Too around um, not saying no because you know often you you get home from work or whatever training and you just you know you do just uh, want to do nothing. But you know, so I think it's so important to make the effort with kids when they want to go outside and. You know, the amount of eels we've caught uh, on the front yard there. I don't know if you can see the lake, but, <laughs> you know, like Ooh. Tom just wants to go out there all the time with his fishing rod and catch eels and go fishing. So, yeah, I yeah. think that's a really important point. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's so important. And then when, when you, you watch these guys come in, like we've, we've got a um, talk a lot of football, um, we call it like a football head. These guys that are like just have grew up passing the ball, kicking it in the front yard, and they run around. And then they're like, these guys have just got a skill level uh, and this like mm-hmm. innate ability to see things. Like it's it's uh, it's becoming less and less. And we've actually we start to you know we're like all right, we've got to go to Fiji, we've got to go to you know the Pacific Islands, we've got to go you know to to New Zealand to look for these guys um, because. The culture here is, you know, one of like it's, it's a little bit more laziness now. Whether it's a res- direct result of two years of lockdown and you know everyone being afraid of everything, um, I like I still want like I I want to live in Texas so I can have I, I can have open carry. Um, <laughs> I think that would solve a lot of problems. Well, um, I, I will. One note on that is that there there are parents that are encouraging kids to get out, and there's very addictive solo person sports, basketball soccer, lacrosse, you can throw the ball against the wall. And then with the kids watching YouTube, they're seeing these amazing NBA players do these crazy moves. And then yeah. the parents kick them out or go play in the uh, the driveway. And they're trying to explore and hit yeah. these moves. So there is some benefit to this out there of kids that are able mm. to combine the technology with the, the physicality and exploring movement through space and making mistakes. Because it will go a long way for them to then be creative when they get that the body that can handle the the coordination it takes to be an awesome basketball player. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. I think you know uh, you're watching watching someone like uh, you know one of these NFL guys and their, their footwork and and to uh, you know, just see that sort of stuff and, and then to go and try and practice it. I think that's that's really important. Uh, but then at the same time, you, like the way some of our greatest footballers we've got like uh, developed. So they developed by just mates in the backyard and they've had to overcome something or older brothers, you know, um, one of the kids that we've got at the moment, like he, um, he learned how to tackle and learned how to fend uh, off his dad. And his dad just said, whenever I got tired and I want to go inside, he, I used to tackle him hard and try to hurt him a little bit. Um, and that's, that's the way he used to like finish the game. He was like, he just wouldn't stop. Um, so you just got these like little bits of physicality where like, Hey, if I'm, I'm a, I'm the little brother, my bigger brother, I'm trying to play with him. I've got to, I can't develop, you know, speed strength, you know, too fast. I've got to develop skill, you know? So a lot of it comes down to skill and to skill. It's like, you know, Owen, like his dad just said, I think was it Ben or you that decided they want to be an all black first. And your dad just said, right, like now we're going to train. You're going to take it serious. And then it was just practice, train, skill, practice, train, skill. And he put you up against kids that were like, what, a year or two older as well? Uh, didn't put us up against older kids. I might have, but I said, no, the big one I remember is, um, you know, New Zealand and Aussie. There's a large Pacific Island community and, Dad would always point out the biggest 
you know, island kid in the other team. <laughs> I always say with a moustache at 12 years old. <laughs> and so, you know, before the end of the game, you need to put a, you need to smash this guy on a tackle. So, you know, like um, I used to have one of my best friends and, you know, when we were playing rugby in junior grades, it used to be a competition for us to see, you know, who could do the most spear tackles, which is illegal now, but, you know, you know, like pick a kid up and try to dump them on the head, which <laughs> you're not allowed to do anymore. But as uh, yeah, a, a lot of stuff resonates. It's yeah, it's funny. Yeah, and the, the skill level you get from those games, well, that, that the fact that you've got a, you know, it, it's 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 crazy. Like we just we don't get enough of that ball carry stuff anymore. That sort of like outside just kick and chase and run and kick and chase and run, and then like these offhand stuff. And it's um, like the French do it really well. You know. Um, They've got some fantastic just skill levels there. Um, but we got a, awesome. a guy, uh, Joey Manu, who's just lightning with the football. And he was telling me a story how um, when he was growing up in New Zealand playing playing rugby, they used to play in uh, runners um, and they used to have to strap, like tape their runners because like the bottom of their, their soles are going to fall out. And then uh, they have to swap their shoes over with the guy sitting on the bench because not everyone had shoes. <laughs> um, you know, and That's now awesome. he's one of the ho- highest players in uh, in the rugby league. But he's like that skill level he's got. He just loves playing football. Like I don't think Joey would know how much he gets paid. Um, <laughs> you know, it's but we look for that still. We look for that that classic kid who grew up in the backyard who has high skill, and then we can give them strength, speed, power, like that sort of stuff. We can like, hey, that, that's that's you know. And then the coach will say that like, he will just be like, hey. I want this guy faster and stronger. Give him, give him some power for me. Give him some speed. Give him some strength. And like that's, that's that's the fun thing for me because I get these athletically gifted, you know, skillful kids, and then I just get to fucking mold them um, physically. It's okay. yeah, it's yeah. a good job. Conditioning coach fucks it all up. He does. He, he ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, uh, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Like I. Um, I always just say to the boys, you know, they're like, oh, how come you don't come out and do the conditioning stuff? And I said, oh, I was running breeds cowardice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, on that note, Kevin, the, uh, I do handle the conditioning and I, I participate as a coach in the conditioning. So the, uh, yep. just so they, some kids draft and give a tempo off my, and some actually like see it as competition. I seek out the yeah. kids that see it as competition which then, you know, it, it gives the kids that would just go through the motions, you know, they're, the gap is getting wider. So now yeah. trying to speed that, those, those back-end kids up just a little bit so that way they can get one ounce better. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> once they, you guys have been in that, that zone of conditioning where you're, just, you're not listening to anything or anybody, you're just in survival mode. Hopefully yeah. we, we get out of that soon, but. <laughs> it's yeah. We, we, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's 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 all getting smarter now because we're like when you can track data. It's, oh yeah, we don't. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, and and like then there has to be a reason. There has to be a why. Like, why do we do this? Like, why is it this long? Why are we going? Like, why didn't we hit this speed? This is speed day. Like, well, we're not having enough rest. If it's repeat speed day, then they've got to do this. Like, so, um, yeah, like I think hopefully touch wood for most of the NRL and most of the like professional sporting teams, mindless conditioning, like I'd say would be gone. Um, 
but you still hear stories like I still in, in especially in professional sport where you talk to other players and, and they're like, they can't wait to come and play at the roosters because the, the program is just so like professional, you know? Um, and I, I think too, like it's, um, you know, if you don't move with the times, if you don't, we're looking at virtual reality stuff at the moment too, just uh, as a, a you know, for co- instead of coaching videos, we're looking at like, you know, doing virtual reality where they can put the headsets on and they get even a better feel for what they're doing. So anything we can do to speed up the learning process, like that's, you know, that's what we should be doing. So technology is also great in, in that uh, regard as well. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, Kev, just looking up the, uh, the team here and it says yeah. premierships. Is that like a championship? Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. So we've got, um, and, we had back to back there. So, yeah, see that 2018, 2019 question. What's up with the wooden spoons? Uh, that means when you come last. Oh, yeah. it's a bad thing. Good. Cause you guys yeah, only yeah. had it five times. When was that? What years were that? Uh, 1949. Sweet. Okay. Six, 63, 60, 63, 65, <laughs> 66, and 2009. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Well, that's when at the end of two thousand and nine we got a new coach, um, which is which is hence the hence the wooden spoon. It's never a good good thing for a head coach to get a wooden spoon or any coach really. Um, but um, yeah, even even this season, like we had a we, like or the season just passed, we had horrendous injuries. We had ACLs um, and yeah, and like it, it's like yeah. It, it's frustrating as hell. Um, but you look at everything and absolutely everything and you take everything so personal. Um, but I think fan-wise and in the feedback from everyone else, even though I think we ended up coming fifth overall, um, uh, like people enjoyed this season way more than they enjoyed many other seasons because of the fight that we had to go through every single week. Um, which, you know, from the outside, I'm sure that looks cool, but fuck, it's just a, you know, it's not nice. Um, when you're putting a team together every week, going like, like if we get one more injury, like we're in trouble. Like, um, you know, it was just, we had two guys retire due to, uh, HIAs at the start of the year. And they were two, two, uh, co-captains. Um, and then we had two ACLs on one night, um, about five, six weeks later, which were two other, of our in our leadership group, I mean, and then that just sort of just yeah, dis like your, your team it just sort of can crumble overnight. But we held it together for the season, which was good. But um, yeah, like you know, you can have these 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 couple of small little incidences, which I think brings back the point of culture. Like I think mm-hmm. with any other any other culture that we uh, we wouldn't have got through the way we did, we would probably have given up. Um, but the the idea was and the thought process and the team was like fuck we we can still win this and like imagine if we win this you know stats wise you, you probably you know we 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 weren't gonna sort of win we just sort of you can see that happen but the belief was still there every single game you know and that, that's that's important I think that's probably yeah that, that's it's been that was one of the hardest seasons but also one of the most uh, the season I learned the most in for sure you know you got to keep yes. coming up with excuses as to why it's not your fault. Oh, <laughs> careful. The, um, yeah, in the States, we got something called next man up. Yeah. The philosophy of mindset that 
even though you're a backup, you're still preparing like you're the starter because you're always one injury away from like your breakout, yes. your shot. Yeah. Yeah, you have to do that. Like, yeah, yeah. And I, like it was all too real for our guys. Like there were there were guys that were probably looking at playing three to four games uh, last season and they end up playing 15, you know. Um, it's a win. And, but yeah, yeah. And that's uh, – but that's put us even, even in a better spot this season. Mm-hmm. Because we've got all this, like, you know, these young guys that have so much more experience. And now they're just, you know, they're, they've gone through all those horrible times. Like, nothing could be as bad as that last season in terms of, like, hey, getting thrust into the fact that you have to play. And now it's, you know, we, we, we've got this in this sweet spot where we're like, oh, we've just got too much to pick from now. You know, guys that we didn't think we'd keep. And then now after that season, we're like, wow, we, like, we've got some gems here. We just, we didn't realize. Um, it's, it's, it's cool. It's really nice. Awesome. It's very cool. Uh, apparently, y'all have been around since 1908. Yeah, I don't know what the game looked like back then, though. I don't know if you can see pictures there. They, they, they look like middle-aged men that just, um, yeah, it was probably not too far off the Great Depression, that one. Um, yeah, but it, it's it's one of the oldest teams. It's got one of the greatest um, uh, histories um, it's funny because uh, we're sort of seen in Australia and, and like uh, I'd say uh, definitely within rugby league that, um, uh, you know, they call us the cappuccino drinkers. Um, so it's all, you know, we've got like the team's got a lot of money um, and it's, we're sort of seen as the like high society type of team, which is so funny because it couldn't be further from the truth. Most of our players are from everywhere else, but um, but we the team originated from like the slums of Sydney back in the day and like all the, you know, all the, the, the dirty rotten places uh, that just now happen to be, you know, the great places to live in Sydney. Um, so the team has this, this, like, we still hang on to that. Like, no, no, like we were, we were founded and born in, in like, you know, the hardest places. And that's where we look to the game. Like we want to, we want to play those hard moments. We always want to play the hardest part because we want to take the other team to the, the darkest spots. We know we can survive there and we want to make sure that the, yeah, we'll take them there and see if they can survive as well. I like it. So you talk about that. In the great culture. Yeah, we, we've got uh, each season we've got, um, we've got points. So, and we always bring it back to warriors for these guys because we've got some, you know, we've got Maoris, we've got Pacific Islanders and we try to relate it back to their cultural warriors um, and, and just the attributes of these guys. Um, and so we, we talk about that. We talk about, you know, um, uh, the American Indians with um, one of the, you know, one of their, like one of their things was putting a stake in the ground. They tie themselves to their stake, they put a stake in the ground and they wouldn't leave that spot unless someone else cut their stake and set them free or they died or killed everyone on the, on the battlefield. So when we would talk about, you know, getting ready for our defense, we, we talk about laying our stake. You know, like we don't fucking leave until the job is done. Um, you know, is that uh, what that we, phrase we, means? Mm, yeah, yeah. So if you, you Google it, yeah, it's it's called uh, laying your stake, and it was uh, with uh, the American Indians. Um, and these warriors used to like grab a big stick, put it right in the in the middle of the battlefield. They'd be tethered to it, and they'd either got cut free by uh, the head chief, or they fought and won, or fought and died. So it's like, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's like a, I will not leave here until, you know, and either way I'll um, like either someone else will cut the stake or like I'll be dead or standing. Um, 
Yeah, so it's 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 interesting, and we so we draw comparisons for these guys, you know, everywhere. Um, but they don't need to be reminded about why they're doing things for you. It's just simply as like I'll give the intent of the session. Like you know, yesterday we did speed um, or dy- and dynamic day, and I was just simply like I want you to move this bar as fast as you can. Each rep needs to be moved fast. Like I want good form. I want strong technique but I want fast and explosive. Um, and then we'll give a couple of demo reps so they can see what that looks like. And then you know, it's explained. Then I'm like, right, go. And then it's, for me, it's just topping up by, by using words that I've used in the, in, um, in the warm up where they, they can draw back to it. I don't have to say lots Boom. and do lots of correction. You know, it's just like speed, you know, technique, you know, like feet to the floor, those sort of things. So they just like triggers them back to what they need to do. Um, yeah. Yes. The sport is the perfect cue for an athlete. Just bringing what mm. their coaches are saying into the weight room and then hopefully dead bugs and the language you use in the weight room, coaches start to use on the field. That's that's the, the picture perfect of a, uh, a strength conditioning or I guess a power strength conditioning guy and then real sport coaches. Um, yeah. You can, you can overcoach so easily. And I'm sure Owen's been overcoached, you know, like yeah. it's nothing worse than just having words thrown at you. Like, well, just tell me what I want, what I need to do. You know, like simplify <laughs> it for me. Yeah. I think it's, I was always pretty lucky unless I was, you know, underperforming or, you know, they could see me on a downward slide. Uh, they sort of just left me alone. And <laughs> I knew if I had a good game when no one would talk to me. So that was sort of, that must have been my reward. Uh, <laughs> actually the worst Probably the worst bit of feedback I've had was I think it was one night before a test match in, in 2012 and, and Crono, the Fords coach, called me into his room. The meeting lasted about 30 seconds. He drew a graph of the, you know, the, you know like a huge upside and then it just crashed all the way to the bottom. And he said to me, he's like, what do you think this represents? And I was like, I knew what the answer was, but I said, oh, I don't know. And he said, that's your form last year, and this is your form now. <laughs> They're crashing to the bottom, Damn. and this was a night before like a big game. I was like, "Fuck!" But yeah, I, th- I think it was done to poke the bear, um, so to speak, and it worked. <laughs> yeah. It worked. Good, yeah, good constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah. Here's shit. Here's you. Get better. Yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> that was the sort of language I got. Yeah. Well, Owen, what's your team's mascot right now? Mascot, uh, Hurricanes. Um, hurricanes. Uh, yeah, I don't want to call myself a Hurricane because I haven't played a game for them yet. I'm fucking injured for the season, but uh, it's a uh, it's an airplane. I think it must be modelled after a Hurricane airplane. Oh, that's cool. The uh, yeah. so, Kev, here's a Yo. question for you. All the colleges in the United States, there's like Iron Hoyas or Houston yep. Strong. Like, yeah. what is the Roosters? Are y'all? Cock strong? Like, what's your phrase and saying? <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, cock strong. That'd make for an awesome mascot, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are parts of Sydney that would love that. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I yeah, we've got, a, <laughs> we've got a... We've got a rooster. Uh, as our mascot and so uh, the rooster's feathers are like we've got the harbour bridge as part of the feathers um, and then the rooster's sort of um, the origins of it like it's 
you know, it's a protector. It's like it's strong. It's um, you know, it's courageous. Uh, but it, the heritage goes back back into the like the like I'd say like mid nineteen hundreds. Um, I always look at it and think like you know, the rooster reminds me of that dude in the weight room that um, does too much bench and not enough legs. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, I keep that one to myself. Um, but usually. Um, because uh, we, we're from the east um, and our simple saying is like, it's just like east to win uh, always. Like we're always there to win. Um, and I guess we don't have too much saying or too many chants or anything like that. It's just um, uh, we're here to win premierships and that, that's just the way it is. Like we don't, um, our, our whole year is not based around coming fourth or fifth or whatever, or third or second. Um, we're just here to win premierships and that's all we are. Like you come to the club, um, you're here to win. You're not here to do well. You're just here to win and that's it. Like that's um, that's a like just an understood uh, – it's understood, I guess. Um, but I will bring Cockstrong up in the next team meeting. Um, <laughs> I'll bring that um, up this morning. Was, yeah. I'm looking hey, at the rest good. of the mascots in this uh, <laughs> in this league here. Tigers, Cowboys, Titans, Sharks. It's all pretty weak. So if you bring mm. Cockstrong into the mix, I think you've automatically <laughs> yeah. won the premiership. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you if there's a new power athlete program called Cockstrong, I'm straight on. Okay, feel strong, you heard it here. Yeah. Next cycle, Cockstrong. <laughs> well, hopefully they've got those push-ups in there. Um, yep, just you, one. Yep. All you need just is one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Black's for yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, we're here. I'll bring it up. <laughs> the uh, oh and when can we expect you at, at full speed uh, fuck, um, hopefully I mean an awesome rehab for me would be yeah I suppose talking to Kev I said six months but I uh, saw in the look on his face I'm not sure whether he's convinced um, but anything close to six months I'd be pumped with if I can get back on the field um, and, and back playing again that's um yeah, I'm aware of the way it looks at 34, having these long-term injuries. But uh, you know, I've, I've got so much self-belief in my body and what I'm capable of. If I can just fucking get on the field healthy, um, I just want to give myself a shot. You know, uh, so I'm going to chuck everything at, at this rehab that I can, and um, yeah, give it give it a crack next year. Well, yeah, yeah I, I think you're, like, you're definitely a chance for sure. I think it comes down to physiology. I don't think it's a, like a chest to your mindset. I mean, if your body would do what your mind said, I think, you know, like you'd be back there in two weeks. Um, yeah. It's just one of those injuries, isn't it? Like we were just talking about before, whereas like it's not necessarily the, the tendon will heal. It's just about your ability to return to play because that gap between finish rehab doing you know doing your field training and then being able to go to, to game speed that that's like that's the big gap and those are the things that take a little bit of time like it's it's like an acl like your first season back after an acl is a good year and your second season is your great year just because you get that that feeling back and do it again yeah um, and i suppose i'm lucky like um you know i might miss super rugby or you know best case scenario get back for a couple games but then there's a break mm. between that and then we have our uh domestic competition here ticks where it's a, it's a level down but it's still pretty competitive almost uh, semi-professional heading, heading into the second year of, of my contract so yeah if I can be you know really ready to go by then I can cut my teeth in there and get um, 
you know, fully fully good to go for that second season of my contract. That'd be a well, good result. Yeah, might attend comp is a lot like our Australia Super Rugby. So <laughs> <laughs> you guys are doing okay. I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I won't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand rugby techs uh, kills Australian rugby. It's um, oh, yeah. we could just not uh, Luke, we not Luke play and I would were, be okay. Yeah, Luke and I were down there, man, twenty seventeen for the World Cup, and so we were in Sydney yeah. watching New Zealand Sydney. If it wasn't the final, it must have been maybe final four or at least the uh, the World Cup. They were playing each other, yeah. and uh, like I mean, Australia had a chance until they didn't. So we didn't know what the hell we were watching and just having a good time. Yeah. It's, um, oh, I think I it was their mascot, it. the Wallabies. I'm all mascot over here. Cause I know nothing about these. <laughs> what, um, oh, was that, that, um, uh, yeah. What was the last world cup? When was that? Just for this uh, guy? 19, Japan. 19. Yeah. 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 Um, which again, like we sort of knew going into it, but like it, there's, there's been so a, correct, a new head coach. Time correction, I guess we were there 15, it's every four years, right? Yeah, yeah. All yep. those trips now blur together. Too much um, oh, no. spirits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like those, those old days for you guys were just, they would, they would have been excellent. Just travel, teaching, coaching, mm-hmm. beer. It's a great time. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Um, I actually had um, uh, Paige um, on on my podcast a couple of months back, um, and she, yeah, she's a, a female rugby player. She's I don't know if you know her, Owen. She's that uh, she was like this pretty blonde girl, and she was the one that had a nose pointed across oh, her yeah. face. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh- Geo, Geo page for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was out there 2017 again, and that's I think that's when we connected, Kev. Maybe yeah, I yeah, it was, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, but when I was in Brisbane, connected with her to give her her some training, and uh, she was coming back from a knee, and I, the this is a, a profound moment for me as a coach because the guidance that I gave her, like she kept on saying, "Oh, my bad knee, my bad knee, my bad knee," and I was like, "No." put an end to it essentially and just gave her their perspective. This is your new knee. And this mm. is how I want you to speak and communicate on this. Uh, so then like there was a switch, the movement changed. I got this on my Instagram from way back, but we're doing different forms of step ups just to give her uh, confidence um, back in it through different planes we're doing. And I know we did these, Kevin, this may be what sparked uh, me doing it with you was the drunk steps where we're, we're stepping across and then we yeah. have to, we have to pull through the transverse plane into um, into a good step up position on the box. So, to yep. our listeners, I'll do my best to describe it. Imagine there's a square box, and we put our right foot on the left side of the box. I'm going to take my left foot across my right and place it on the center of the box. I'm going to bend my back knee, get active on my my right foot, and then try to pull my body now rotating through space into a normal step-up position. So, um, yeah, I think this is when we explored that. That was a good trip. I, I think Brisbane mm. was first and then hit up to Sydney. Um, yeah. But, yeah, connected with you and her, man. It was a eye-opening experience. Know nothing about rugby 
other than uh, when to, to I cheer when the people around me cheer and I, I boo and hiss and throw beer at the television when the others do that too. So Homer, wherever I am. Yeah, that's hundred percent. Yeah. You nailed, you nailed the supporting fact aspect. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Um, I only had some good slurs back in the day. Would you get like Tex? Have you heard of uh, Ned Kelly before? Like Ned no. Kelly is like a he was a, a bush ranger basically back in the day in early Australian days where he was basically just a, a robber um, and dressed up in like uh, like sort of steel helmet and steel body armor um, and he's oh, somehow he's become like a national icon like we you know, we, like we we celebrate this guy and. Um, I think one of Owen's slurs when he was playing here in Australia, like one of the one of the crowd yelled out and told him he looked like a fat Ned Kelly. Um, it's, actually, uh, <laughs> it's actually the greatest compliment I've had in my career because we were having a competition amongst the front rowers, like, you know, who could, you know, we had to grow our beards for six months. Um, you know, whoever cut their beards lost. So I think it was me and Ben were down to the final two. And, yeah. uh I don't know if you know Tex, but Queensland's probably like the Texas of uh, Australia. So all these like supporters, <laughs> drunk, throwing you know chat <laughs> at the guys on the bench, and yeah, I got got hit with the fat Ned Kelly, but I was, I was actually pretty pumped with it. Sort of sort of fitted, <laughs> fitted my uh, game day persona, so pump me up. <laughs> Such as life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there! It's like playing in playing in Queensland for the last four months or during the last season. Like, you just the crowd is out of control. Like, some on the sideline with the boys warming them up, getting them ready, and you get abuse hurled at you. And some of the most constructive abuse in the world. Um, <laughs> you know, you just yeah, it's great. And then it's hard not to laugh. Like, you know, I, I usually just ignore it. But when someone comes out with a really good sledge and it's directed at you, you're like. You That's pretty good. I like that you one. You can't yeah. give them anything. No. As soon as you acknowledge, change your posture, smile, dude. Yeah, it's you're done. It's hard. Yeah, we we've been getting sledged. Actually, we were playing um, playing the Broncos, and we were sort of. It was a close game, and it shouldn't have been. And we we're getting sledged the whole way through. Like this, this guy was so close to where I was. And he just kept abusing me and abusing me, and and like I just kept looking forward. And every like like the last five minutes, I couldn't help myself. He said something. I looked over. And I was just staring at him. And he's like, "Yeah, what are you gonna do?" Like that. <laughs> anyway, on the um right on the on full time, one of our guys, Adam Kieran, kicked the field goal and put us a, put us ahead by one. And I couldn't help it. I just turned on the buzzer when we were one by one point. And I just started laughing at him, just like <laughs> fuck it, like. <laughs> and, Oh, he lost it. He was like trying to get over the fence. And I was like, see you, princess. Bye-bye. Enjoy your game. Like, you know, <laughs> he was losing. And then he sat there and sulked until we left. Like he just sat down and just drank his like. <laughs> well, that's about all he can do. That's why he's sitting in, yeah. the, in the stands there. That's right. Just ruined his yeah. life. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a yeah. documentary about there was one NBA game in 2004 where the players and the fans got into a fight. And that I, I think that was the last time like a fan actually crossed the line. Uh, so there was lawsuits. Oof. There was all this. Uh, so there's a documentary on next Netflix it's called Malice at the Palace. So, oh, yeah, I saw that. That was awesome, yeah. Yeah. Dude the funny thing was is that the guy who buffed the, uh, what was it, like a can of soda or something to kick the whole thing off, the basketball player who 
who got hit in the head, he went up and punched the guy next to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The guy who started it, who started it, just, uh, yeah, just stood back. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. It's, um, the crowds get, they get loose, you know, they get like, um, you know, but yeah, like we, we, we sort of like, I look at it in, in, in a, a really simple term. I'm like, I, I love how passionate they are because they're following the game. So, you know, I, I generally don't take on board what, what most people say, you know, in terms of I'm getting sledged anyway. So if I can't just let that roll off my back and just have a laugh, but I look at it in terms of like, Hey, these guys are so involved in the game. They're watching the game. That's exactly what we want. Like, that's brilliant. Let, let them go for it. If they have a small heart attack, um, Hey, it's, that's, <laughs> they're destined that's to. life. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. This, this is what I would do. So you got your weight room, you got your, your arena. I would hire all these Queensland fans, give them 10, 10 <laughs> beers each. And then just record, give me your worst. I record it all and capture it all. And I have it on this tape or this playlist. And then just like when my guys are mid lift or clean or heavy ass squat, I just play one thing. And then just, just really get them stress inoculated to all this shit talking. I'll be laughing, but they'll be just able to, it's like water off a duck's back by the end of it. Yeah. And then they're ready for, anything and then the only level up is if fans start throwing beer and that's really when the weight room gets interesting yeah we had um uh one of our players jared uh jared warrior hargraves he's um you know he's he's a huge man he's like a he's a very one of our most aggressive angry good dudes and he's great like off the field he's like a really you know really beautiful guy um but on the field, it's, it's, you know, if you're playing against him, it's, it'd be very dangerous. And then he was sitting sitting down on the bench one game and this, this fan was just screaming at him, screaming at him. And eventually Jared was, this guy's like, you know, Jared, Jared, Jared. And eventually Jared said, what? And the guy went, oh, um, my dad knows your uncle. <laughs> and he was like, sweet, tell him I said hi. And he's like, thanks, Jared. That, that, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> the inside uh, bench is laughing. Yeah, it's. Do, do y'all have fantasy sports down there? You familiar with these, Mate, these are? Yeah, yeah, most of the boys are into it. Like they're all like, uh, but they're all into the NFL. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, our boys the, are mad into it. My only heckling experience is with baseball, and uh, we used to buy tickets. Our team was bad. Our local team was bad, so we'd buy nosebleeds just as high schoolers, and then walk down to the prime seats right behind the opposing team's bench. So basically, <laughs> I don't know what those seats cost, but got in for five bucks and sat there. So heckling the the batters as they're coming out, and I yell at one guy, just his name was Corey Patterson. He was on the Cubs at the time for our American listeners, but Corey Patterson, you're on my fantasy team. Like, that's not a heckle. That's just what I yelled. Yeah, yeah. He turns around and gives me like this, this cockeyed weird look. <laughs> like, what the... What? And then <laughs> my friend leans over and they're like, I think he just heard Corey Patterson, you're my fantasy. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm never talking shit again to a professional sport event. No, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Well, he went home that night too and like some dude like just called me his fantasy. Yeah. Weird dude with a weird mustache. <laughs> well, Guys, any anything we want to plug? We want to direct people to follow these roosters and and Kev. I know you got a pretty hop in social in terms of training. Where 
where can we send the listeners to to continue to follow and support y'all? Sure, yeah. So I've got my uh, my Instagram is uh, Strength Elite, and um, yeah, jump on there, have, have a follow. Um, I think um, yeah, uh, the Roosters, Sydney Roosters, is the um, is the NRL uh, team that I um, I work for as well. We go and support the boys, and um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, Owen Dot Franks on Instagram. But like I mentioned earlier, um, man, uh, me and my mate Jace have come up with a strength training training tool for scrummaging called called Iron Back Scrum. So if you can uh, give that a look on Instagram, and should be should be coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll be sure to to include that in the the show notes for people to link it up and and have some fun with it, and then for everyone else at sydney roosters just comment hashtag cockstrong all over their instagram (laughs) until they're forced to do something with it in their marketing department that's right i'll let the marketing department know as soon as i get to work there's gonna be a wave of uh cockstrong coming at you (laughs) that's the best thing that's coming out of this podcast (laughs) yeah cool all right gentlemen Thank you very much for joining us on another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning, Power Athlete Radio. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can contact Owen Franks and Kev Tunin on Instagram at owen.franks and at strengthelite. Until next time, bye!